Hello and welcome to Getting to Know Mark Amount, the show that will give you some insights into the way we teach. In today's episode, Sechaba will be talking to Leanne about age-appropriate learning. As parents, we are continually looking for the best opportunities to build our children to the best of their capacity. A Michael Mount education aims to inspire lifelong learning in all students and to enable them to fully develop their unique capacities. At Michael Mount, learning is an experiential activity. It's not a matter of doing without certain experiences. It's a matter of introducing children to each experience at the right time in their development, or what is referred to as age-appropriate learning. When it's time to teach the merits, uses and house of technology, the teachers do so. And the knowledge, self-awareness and problem-solving skills children develop through years of hands-on inquiry is of far greater value to them as learners and as human beings than anything they could have picked up by sitting at a screen. Tell us a little bit about the thinking behind age-appropriate learning. Offering appropriate learning to the child at each developmental age is indeed a gift that Rudolf Steiner, who is the founder of Waldorf Education, left us. He, he gave us a host of indicators of, as to how to form the curriculum in such a way that it is truly age-appropriate and age-specific. And what this means really is that each developmental stage that the children transition through is mirrored in the curriculum. So what we offer the children at each of these transitional stages truly nourishes them and assists them in making these developmental transitions in a balanced, healthy and harmonious way. And of course, if children feel met and seen and heard, they have a true sense of belonging. And if someone has a sense of belonging, they can become. They can truly reach their full potential. And so where does it all start? It starts really in the kindergarten, but in class one, which is my favorite year, it really begins with the children who come towards us that have a deep ability to still imitate. And they feel completely at one with the world around them. And they relate to the world through pictures and through stories. And so we meet the children in this developmental stage at a Waldorf school, teaching concepts in a way that is imbued with images. And everything is brought to them in a pictorial, imaginative way. So dry abstract concepts brought to the children too soon are somewhat hardening and limiting. And we work in class one particularly with the fairy tales. And it, through the fairy tales, the children learn all about life's trials and triumphs and about good overcoming bad. And at the same time, through these archetypal images that we find in the fairy tales, for instance, the letters of the alphabet are revealed. They each start to emerge from the story content, and then the children have an imaginative, creative connection to these rather abstract symbols. So, for instance, we speak of the big, brown, burly bear, and they, we will show the children how this B emerges from the picture of the bear. And so the children truly have a feeling connection to each of these abstract letters. So does this apply throughout their younger career? Yes, this, this you can see continues right the way through the primary school. Um, for instance, when we meet the class 2 child, 
The class two child is somewhat different to class one in that they find themselves in a world of duality. They have one foot still on the rainbow bridge, so to speak, and one foot on the earth. And the children play this out in the playground. You can see this polarity in the playground as they start to form little groups and they behave quite catty to each other and quite sly or boastful on the one hand. And on the other hand, they can display wonderful awareness of, and compassion and kindness and assisting each other and reassuring each other quite caringly. And the curriculum meets the children in this duality, in this polarity that they're experiencing through the specific story content. So in class two, the curriculum explores the legends of saints and of good people who live deeply compassionate lives and are striving to do profound good in the world. And on the other hand, we work with animal fables and, and African folklore where we see the failings of the one-sidedness of the sly fox, for instance, or the boastful crow or the greedy dog. And the children then can quickly identify with these messages in these stories as opposed to being lectured and moralized to. Another wonderful example is a very important year in our curriculum and that is the third grade where we see the children cross a pronounced threshold in this time. We call it the Rubicon year and this threshold is marked by psychological and emotional and spiritual changes in the child. They lose their forces of imitation and they suddenly feel quite separate from the world and quite alone in the world. And it is like early childhood has come to an end and they've left a kind of paradise landing with a bit of a bump on the earth. And we need to help them find a new relationship to the world around them. And the curriculum does exactly that. It replaces the sense of feeling separate from the world to a feeling of being responsible for the world. And so we engage the children in activities such as gardening and farming and harvesting the vegetables, cooking them, baking, crafting, building, you know, laying foundations and creating shelters, etc. So we, we give them a sense of belonging in this new world that they seem to find themselves in. And then once they've crossed this threshold and they've arrived in the fourth grade, class four, they now are able to start to explore a little bit of who their individual personalities are, who they, who they wish to become now. And here the curriculum works with stories from the Norse myths. And these are wonderful, rich stories that provide a multiplicity of personalities for the children to align themselves with and to play out and to identify with. They can choose to be mischievous like Loki, or loving like Freya, or strong and thunderous like Thor. And so they get to really experience the play around with a few of these. They're no longer at one with the world in class four because they have lost these powers of imitation. And so it is the year that we start to break up the world. And so the whole number is broken into fractions, the parts, and language for the first time is broken up into the nine parts of speech, for instance. And also class four helps to orientate this new individual <coughs> through an overview of local history and geography, starting with the very chair they are sitting on, moving into the class, with the classroom layout, the layout of the school, and eventually their whole home province. And so you can see how this mirrors the class four child. Thank you for providing us with great insights into how the curriculum meets the developmental needs of the child in their first four years of formal schooling in the lower primary. In our next episode, we unpack the subsequent four years of the upper primary school. Thanks for listening 
and feel free to send us your suggestions and even forward the podcast to friends or potential parents that are looking to build their children into conscious, creative, independent thinkers.